0: the top players and legends
1: to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to a special episode of BTP. I'm your host proud to join with my seemingly reasonably regular co-host there, Cal McFly. Always a pleasure to do this with Callum. I've been recording a lot of United content over the last week or so. I've uh, obviously done my own part about Callum 1. Uh, I had Pete Boyle on, which I have yet to release. I'll release that tomorrow. Uh, this podcast as well, I've done one with Pat Gibbon yesterday, which I strongly encourage to give a listen to. Obviously Pat was at United as a young kid uh, during the class in 92, one of the greatest eras during, that time, uh, during the United's history, actually. And unfortunately at 19 years of age, to deal with the tragic suicide of his brother. Uh, so Pac was in the detail about that and some social, so some initiatives that he's involved in for mental health. Um, so if uh, you get a chance to listen to that, uh, there is a just given link on my website that if you can spare a few quid, uh, it's always appreciated because it goes into uh, extremely valuable services for the community. Calum, first of all, man, thanks for doing this. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, this is, uh, Obviously, lots of moving parts of Manchester United right now. Uh, my Twitter has been slightly busy over the last 24 hours <laughs> uh, with a clip, of course, I put out. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, before we do, I just want to say an enormous, enormous, enormous thank you to lots of different people. the people that listen to my show, not just my show, but everyone else's, all the other independent podcasts, out there, bloggers and everybody else. You do this as a labor of love. You do this because it's something that they love. Um, none of us are monetizing this, none of us are making money, and it's very few of us are. And the support of people such as yourself uh, that listen to these shows, that retweet them, that like them, that follow us, just to honestly, is it, it, it's the best thing you can do. And I wish I could thank every single one of you, but if you're someone that does that, trust me, I'm thanking you. And I'm so grateful to you for that, because first of all, we, don't, we can't compete with the big boys. You know, the Sky Sports. So these are all fully paid journalists. This is their day job. They have massive budgets. And not all of them, but many of them, most, I know a lot of journalists and they're just, some of them are just fantastic, lovely people. But a lot of these publications detest people like me and other independent bloggers and podcasts. That's reflected whenever you see them trying to get a press pass that, that is offensive to them almost. The people like us, we get media access that they feel. They have a monopoly on information and they're the only ones that should tell it. And if it comes from anyone else, it's not credible. Um, so, uh, for people like myself, you have to work very, very hard. And other fantastic blogs and po- podcasts out there who work very, very hard to get content. Uh, we rarely win, we rarely get it above these guys. Um, but in order to keep it free and to send to people like yourself, and we're not playing agendas where we're being bribed for access, you know, you better, you better write a nice story, you don't get access. We don't do that. Uh, and, and Manchester United, by the way, should be heavily commended for the fact that they've never done that with me. They've never said you are not going to get access. They offered me an interview with Solskjaer, as you you saw, Callum, uh, right before the Europa League final. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get it scheduled because of the time difference and the fact that I didn't check my email on Saturday morning. <laughs> so, uh, well, we have agreed to redo that. So, you know, I think it had to be commended for... The fact that they, despite, I'm sure, deeply resent a lot of the things that I write and deeply disagree with it, they've never used the currency for access, you know, the the, the, the access for a positive article currency, and I commend them massively for that. So, just wanted to say that before we started. So, for, now uh, that I, because I love to listen to myself talk, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well, I have to say, and um, it has been very busy um, for yourself recently, and yeah. and it makes me very proud to be to be a part of the show and, ah. and to work alongside you because um, the thing that I have to say um, is the, the amount of work that you do behind the scenes and to, to get this access and maintain this access, not by promising to write um, positive articles for access, mm. as you said, but by sheer hard work, determination, and, and crucially, research. At the end of the day, you are a passionate. Man, a passionate football fan, you love United to your core, and in every single piece that you write, whether it's positive, negative, or indifferent on the club for whatever reason, the passion and the research mm-hmm. comes through. And, and that's something that, as you've said, and I would not echo, United have to be commended for because this show, mm-hmm. this platform of BTP, for many years before I was involved, um, has always strived for. The, the very best in in class when it comes to um, articles, when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to video content. Years ago, that was shown through the FIFA investigations, and and it's a show that that doesn't shy away from these issues and has to be commended for that. But I'm doing well, have to say. Um, it's just great to be great to be back recording. Um, I just, as we mentioned last time, Phil. I just wish it was a wee bit busier on a positive note in mm-hmm. regards to businesses we will come to but it's just great to be back.
1: Well first of all uh, thanks very much for those lovely lovely words and as you've proven yourself you're done a, st- a stunning job of doing exactly that and I do strive to be accurate that is important to me because I will happily amend my views when it comes to anything if I'm wrong right and I've been proven to be wrong many times in the past that is important because um uh, we will get into the response we United in a minute, but um, it is important to me that I'm right, even if I the truth offends me. Even if what the truth that I rave at is not something I want to agree with, it's more important that the truth reflects fact and my views reflect fact rather than uh, what I think. Um, what I will say, uh, Callum. So to cover this united thing really quickly, uh, a, a couple of angles. First of all. It is, I mean, maybe they do this just for uh, just to, for, because this is a personality trait, but the idea that I, we put something on Twitter that's objectionable, by the way, it's objective. It is a statement of fact. No room for maneuver. I have been giving an official response by Manchester United related to something like transfers. It quite obviously is going to provoke the reaction that it did and it, for it to be fake. Do people really think I would do that? And why I would do that? And I'm that desperate for a deluge of, inf- of, of abuse? I mean, what, what do I have to gain from putting something like that out and faking it? I've been broadcasting for 10 years. In 10 years I've been broadcasting, I have been fortunate enough to speak to people I only could have dreamed of. I, I do not make up fantasy uh, official responses from Manchester United. You know, a bunch of their staff follow me. People who work inside the football club follow me. And there's plenty of journalists out there who loathe me, who speak to United all the time, who would only be too glad to prove that it's fake. If it's fake, you'll not have to worry about it. It'll be shown in seconds. So the idea that I would put something out like that, are uh, fabricated, fake, or for any other reason, it's just, it, it's patently absurd. Right, um, but anyway, so you know, I, you I, this was of course in response to an article that I put on my my uh, my, my, my website, btpmedia.net, dot uh, net. Good plugger. Uh, I don't know, was it last week? And that little statement is a small excerpt of what was actually sent to me. Right, so United sent me you saw it, a massive response, right, to that article. And uh, I want to commend the football club for this, first of all. The fact that they are willing to engage in dialogue, right, the fact that they care about that, the fact that it matters enough to where it did provoke a reaction to them. And in some ways, I'm pleased it did because it shows me that they're, they do genuinely care about what's being said about the football club in the media. So... I would never in a million years publish anything without their approval. I wouldn't break that trust with the football club. The football club would be good to me. Secondly, I do think there has to be a space that for people to exist where they can communicate that is not official response. Because when you're putting something on the internet that's intended for mass public consumption, you pick every word carefully. Right? When I have a casual conversation with somebody that's back and forth there's lots of things like context, like lots of things that get lost in an official statement, right? So I don't think it's reasonable for to publish something, anything in a per- per- private email, whether it's an official statement, discussion, whatever, without anyone's prior written approval. Um, so if you need it at some point in the future, let me publish the rest of it, which I think, by the way, is very, very good. Uh, I think it's very, very interesting. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly damaging to United in it. I think it's uh, something that I commend them for. And uh, I I have to say, Callum, my issue is being always with the owners, not the people. The vast majority of people who work at United are wonderful human beings. They're class people who are in there making a living. The vast majority of them are not making, uh, you know, multi-millionaire wages. They're just ordinary people doing a difficult job. It's not easy. Uh, and they do care and they, they everyone's different everyone sees the world differently they they are they, the vast majority of them are super super nice people i have nothing but the utmost respect for um so I'm, i want to say that and um, i also want to say that i'm grateful that they that they engaged in this dialogue with me and gave me a response that reflected that i disagree with what they said but um Maybe at some point in the future the football club will let me broadcast it uh for public consumption. But um I, until then we I will not disclose what is being said in there. Um but it was extremely detailed. Um the wider issue, of course, is transfers itself, Calum. Uh here we are, we're community shields a week away. Um United are a couple of weeks away from starting the season. Pre season starts next week for United, I believe. And yet, all we've accomplished so far is the seal of Alexis Sanchez. When we look at our rivals, and everything, you're always defended by our rivals. Barcelona is defined by Real Madrid, blah, blah, blah. This, uh, This is, of course, how we get defensive. we look at Liverpool, who are already making sense, looks like the press pressed to have Thiago. Look at Chelsea, you know, incredible response. Even Arsenal, everyone. And yet, all we hear is the same adjectives about relaxed, you know, you need to relax. You, know, you need to expect. You need to have a feeling. It's just insanely, Man, forget about Jaden Sancho for a minute. And I'll shut up here. If you're going to make us, most signs are a process, right? Which is why they're very rarely a secret. It's not something that just happens overnight. It's not something where, you know, you take a look at United sense. Bruno Fernandez was not a shock, right? We knew it was coming. mari Maguire was not a shock. We knew it was coming. Juan Saga. We're not a shot. We knew it was coming. Daniel James maybe wasn't a lot of of press, but you can pull off a smaller, low-key signing like that, but under the radar. But anyone significant, as a process, and it's usually something that is dragged out over and over again. again. The fact that we haven't been linked with anyone, even in a process, suggests, first of all, there are no processes. And I, I, I am seriously concerned that what we're going to end up with at the end of the window, is, there not, is an unbelievably underwhelming season that will be impossible to spin?
0: I totally understand that. My biggest fear in that regard, um, I, I, will, I will give the club a few positives. There is um, murmurings, shall we say, um, that Paul Pogba could sign a new contract. If he does, that would be incredibly positive for the club. Dean Henderson, we know we can say this for certain now. It's, it's official. Has signed a new contract, five years with the option of a sixth. That is, th- those are potentially, in Pogba's case, potentially, in Henderson's, Henderson's case, definitely very, very positive steps. However, there is the cynic in me, and I will say that it is the cynic in me who thinks there is the the, the potential for United to say, "Look, it's been a really tough summer." Um, coronavirus is is causing chaos, not just our club but clubs across the continent. We've made two new signings: and Pogba signing the new deal, and Henderson signing the new deal. That's my big worry: is is to as to how they could potentially try and spin it to to fans. Um, as I say, I hope they prove me wrong. The club that concerns me most in terms of the business they have done, because I think it's very positive, or it's certainly going in the positive direction. Is Chelsea because when you mm-hmm. look at Chelsea and United from last season, very similar in the sense that United finished third, Chelsea finished fourth. Um, Chelsea obviously got to the FA Cup final, which they lost. Um, but you look at their response since then. Ben Chilwell, a, a left back who has incredibly high potential, brought in fifty million pounds. Done. You're talking as they're looking as if Havertz is going to come in for around ninety million pounds. Looks as if it's going to be done. Thiago Silva, he's 35, he is quite old. I'm not saying that's the sort of player that every club in the Premier League would want, but he's experienced at the elite (laughs) level. One-year deal, free transfer, and he comes. They've already got Zayic, they've already got Werner. They have backed their manager. You look at that Chelsea board, and if you're Frank Lampard, you can't come out in the press at all and Mm. say, I was not backed this summer. They have backed him to Mm. the hilt. And what saddens me with that is... Imagine, imagine that was United. Imagine that was the position Ollie was in, where they got Sancho early, where they were able to invest in a central defender, where they're able to bring in another striker. Imagine the positivity within the club, with the fans, within the club, with the management team, with the players that are already there. It would be something that you mentioned pre season coming back next week. Everybody would be enthused by that. Whereas at the moment, The harsh reality is, yes, it's always great to have United back. If United were playing Tiddlywinks, I'd be excited about them coming back. But at the same time, there is that whole, here we go again. It's going to be the Sancho saga. It heats up for around maybe four or five days. Then the flames uh, die out. Then they ramp up again. and uh, I just worry that's going to go on and on and on until United finally admit defeat. And then you get a desperate loan signing like Acosta or an Aaron Ramsey and you think to yourself, right, how do we spin this one?
1: Well, look, uh, they, I don't even think they're attempting to spin anything anymore. They're just saying that, um, making a statement that almost nobody else has made, Right? I don't see Chelsea turning around talking about the harsh realities of COVID. I don't see Man City talking about the harsh realities of COVID. I understand the ownership. I understand we have to accept that they're owned by people who invest in the club, and we are owned by people whose primary objective is to take money out of the football club. They're uh, completely different football clubs in their in their structure. But what I'm trying to understand is, okay, uh, we've sacked managers since 2013 for not achieving their goals, which I don't really know. When you look at what uh, you know, have sacked these managers for, for. Per performance, per performance, per performance, players being sold for per performance. The only people that seem to be immune to any type of analysis, performance-based analysis, seems to be the board, right? Seems to be Edward Worden, Richard Arnold and all that, right? They seem to be the only ones that's immune to any type of performance analysis in the sense that their job is in jeopardy if you don't win the league or, or even compete. Because there's a few things that are refutable. Manchester United have gone from a club where finishing outside the top four was considered, uh, oh, oh, uh, absolutely uh, you know, almost impossible. It was in. The, 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 I remember Moise's first season, thinking to myself, I cannot believe we are. We might not finish the top four. That was unthinkable in the first Absolutely unthinkable. We're not nine. That's United's you know, new reality. How did? How did that happen? And who's the one consistent individual individuals that have been there since that has happened? Right? We've sacked managers, so we can't say it's Van Hall's fault, because he's gone. We can't say it's Mourinho's fault, because he's gone. Right? Can't say it's David Moyes' fault, he's gone. So who's the one consistent person, persons who have been there consistently to uh yeah during this tenure? Well we know, but they never hold themselves accountable. And what I'm trying to understand is when I look at the financials and I see uh, Edward, it's the one that keeps singling him out, but he's the highest paid person in his job and in his, in his position in the entire country, right? By what metric is he being successful? By what metric, right? I mean, if you're going to say to Ed, look, I don't care what you do on the football side. I don't care how many failures you have. As long as you make me money, you're going to make money. Right? Because that's what it looks like to me. Right? Because you certainly couldn't, if you valued football and valued football results and you were offended by watching your rivals win the European Cup, by watching your rivals win the league. Because anyone who genuinely loved this football club, can would find a way to buy in Sancho, would find a way to say, Do you know what? We've taken money at this football club for 15 years, right? FSG put 100 million, right? Why can't our owners? Why is it so roundly accepted that COVID's affected United, therefore they need to borrow? No, 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 no. COVID is a blip on the arse compared to the Glazer ownership tax. That is why United need to borrow money. That is why they can't afford to buy the players that they need. That is why they're in this mess. That is why they, more than anyone else, has to face the harsh realities of COVID because the business model is set up so badly that it's there to benefit. You can, look, they, they, nothing lasts forever, right? If you take any business, I don't care what it is, it's your sole purpose is to bleed it of cash. There will reach a limit. And if you have a business that is highly vulnerable to things like uh, this, most businesses are, right? Well, there comes a time when you need to invest in that business. All right, look, it was for 15 years, this business is paid. I'm a business owner, account, right? And this is what pays my bills. I have to invest in my business, right? Or, or it goes on. There. The very fact that this football club, and it's in Absolute disgrace. It is indefensible that we are sitting in a situation where we cannot recruit players that we need to just compete. As things stand right now, you now have absolutely no right, no right whatsoever, the is going to finish top four. None. That is not commensurate with investment. I dare them. Right? But what will happen through muscle memory? When you need a event, if, if they might start well because they've enough squad. But over the course of the season, everything tells. Right, the gaps gaps that will tell. If the inevitable happens, where things start to taper off, let's so school get the blame. We'll talk. We'll sit there and we'll talk about it should have brought that on or I should have managed that way. She started this guy left back. But it's the same thing over and over again. Right? I am telling you, mate. If I was Solskjaer, because here's what's going on, they're leveraging his reputation, right? They are saying, we're not taking the blame. You will. All right? I'm not getting sacked. You will. Right now, Solskjaer has a good reputation. If he doesn't get the players that he needs, I would look at the all our averages and say, probability says I'm going to have a worse season than what I had the season this season, right, which will hurt. My reputation. I'm gonna walk. Need somebody else to do this. Need somebody else to be the front man, right? Because this is not the Manchester United or Ferguson or Bosby or anybody else, right? This is a business that invests the bare minimum so that the people who own this football club can take maximum, right? Every single thing on the football side is about one, one thing only. It's about one algorithm. Invest the bare minimum to be in the top four.
0: That's, that's the sad reality, that's the harsh reality and you've summed it up there. For many years after Arsenal had moved stadium, um, Arsenal sold their best player every single year and Arsene Wenger was expect- essentially expected to to wave his magic wand and get them into the top four. And for so many years he was able to do that before the inevitable tail off. His reputation then suffered incredibly badly and he was gone. As you've said with Solskjaer, what he achieved last season from where the club was, pre-Bruno Fernandes to post-Bruno Fernandes arriving, was nothing short of sensational. United going to Leicester on the last day. Ordinarily, but United over the last five or six years, you'd you'd be really nervous getting into that game. And I think there were nerves from the fans and the fan base as a whole. But at the same time, there was a renewed passion that United would get the job done. And they they certainly did. And that's what frustrates me and frustrates you and so many others even more. United, this was the summer. We said it weeks ago invest while well, you're strong. You finish third. Now's the time to know if the club are serious about bridging that gap to second and first, who happen to be your two biggest rivals in Liverpool and City, by the way. Um, or whether they're happy to say, nah, you know, well, let's just risk it and maybe finish fourth. And if Chelsea go ahead, if it doesn't matter, we'll get that fourth place. Well, that simply is, is is a massive gamble that I agree with you, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should not be willing to take with his reputation. Tottenham are signing players, Tottenham and Mourinho will mm. sign, they're signing Doherty from Leeds, uh, sorry Leeds uh, from Wolves, sorry, um, not saying he's a world beater by any means but he's what Mourinho wants for a position at right back because he doesn't trust Ory and that's who they go and get. You look at um, Chelsea, we've mentioned them signing players. You look at Arsenal with Arteta. They've backed him. Aubameyang gets that new contract. He was desperate for him to sign. He keeps his best player. But now with a full pre-season under his belt, he can try and build on that and get them closer to the pack. At the moment, as you've said, Oli might get a couple of new contracts for, uh, maybe for Pogba, definitely for Henderson. But that's not going to be enough for United to sustain, sustain I, 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 it's staying in the top four over the course of a season. And the other thing that pisses me off, and we talked about this, you do not get into the Champions League places when you're a club like Manchester United and think, brilliant, that's in the Champions League, we're happy to be there. A club like Manchester United, with the history, with the heritage, has to compete at Champions League level. You look at the teams this season that flourished in the Champions League, you look at Leon. How can Leon get to a Champions League semi-final but Manchester United can't? There's there's no excuse. And this is the thing that frustrates many people, including myself. You cannot get into the Champions League and be content with group stage in the last 16. Because if you do that, you become a second-rate team in Europe. And that's not what Manchester United is. It's not what it's ever been and it's not what it should be becoming. And if it is something that that the lack of investment hints at what the, the, the... the board see is, is the club becoming. Then I agree. The manager has to walk, and he has to make a very, very public statement and call them out and say, "Look, I've not been backed because the simple fact of the matter is, you look at the strength and depth of United. If Fernandez gets injured, you're back. You're back into a situation you were in previously. We've talked about Agallo. He loves United. He wants to be here. He's a positive influence in the club. Of that, there is no denying." If he's playing 20 games up top because your other strikers are injured, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced and confident. He leaves right in three months. <laughs> exactly, leaves in January, which is even worse. And then you've got the situations we've talked about in the right wing. Greenwood's a young player. He's going to come in and out. Lingard, someone who was cast aside by many fans uh, uh, in the sense that I think you will go this summer. You're looking at this now going, if he goes and you've only got Daniel James as a deputy to Greenwood, you're in trouble. And, and and I'm not saying Lingard should be a viable option for United long term, but at the same time, with a lack of depth that's there, Chong's away out and loan. You think, wh- where are the other pieces to this jigsaw coming? Because there's only so much Solskjaer can do. For every Greenwood and every Williams, it takes time to develop those players. You cannot then just think, right, I'll pluck someone out of the 23s and they'll come in and play in the right wing. That's unrealistic. We talked about this before. You cannot put that weight of expectation on young players willy-nilly and expect them to come in and, and paper over the cracks of your inadequacies in the transfer market. The simple message, and you've said this already, is Solskjaer said he wanted three players. He gave a list. I know some people say, oh, that's simplistic, that's football manager. Whatever way you spin it, He's given he's given names to the recruitment team at Manchester United of players he thinks and wants to improve his squad. If he gets none of those and he has to spin the fact that, oh, Dean's got like a new signing, Paul's signing a new deal, like a new signing, then he's been badly let down. And whoever, whoever is advising the owners, and I think we know who that person is, whoever's advising the owners that this is the direction to go in or whoever's advising Ed Woodward, that this is the direction to go in. Needs to come out and make a public statement and say they're responsible. Because we've heard before from other managers that yeah. so-called football experts vetoed signings. Who is it? Come out and come out and nail your colours to the mast. Because it's about time you take responsibility rather than pass the buck to yet another manager.
1: Well, so there's a lot of guesswork in there, um, and this is one of the things that uh, talked about before is if you're not happy with the club and how um they're described in the media and you think that a lot of what is said about the club is firm, well this is a direct consequence of not communicating this is the direct right consequence of not speaking to fans if you want the public record to reflect fact then i would suggest you actually communicate and you have transparency and you talk to fans if you're going to do one and inter- two interviews in five years with the same media outlet and well, let's be honest um, Andy's a great guy, but a written interview is the lowest form of transparency because, um, first of all, it, 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 we all accept if you've got an important communication to make, you almost never do it by text or email because it loses context, it loses. It's easy to misunderstand things. It gives you lots of wiggle room, and I suggest that's why it's being done in written word. It also gives you the opportunity to edit or, ah, oh, did me not say that? That looks better, this looks better. It calls everything into question, right? So until I see someone like, and I assume this is being at the result of direction. The glaziers haven't spoken yet in 15 years. There is no other way to, to interpret that as the fact that they have complete contempt for you, okay? So the complete contempt for you and what the glaziers are doing is they are looking at something like your love of football, right? Love of anything, and they're charging you for it, all right? So what they're banking on is you will love United just slightly more than what you will hate them. So that will, you will continue to part with your cash because you love this football club so much. You love this football club so much that because it's built into the alleged DNA of what a fan is, you will support this club no matter what is happening on the field. No matter how bad it is, you will continue to support this football club because that's what a fan does, right? And and you will continue to buy replica shirts and you will continue to pay all these uh, uh, these costs because you love United. That's what the Glazers are banking on. They're banking on you continuing to do this no matter what. All right. So they're saying, look, love. It's not logical. We all know that. We stay in relationships we shouldn't. We do. We we, we buy things we don't need. Uh, we vote for people against our own personal interests because emotion defies logic and love rules logic. So we love United. We love this football club. And we're going to get charged for the privilege of doing it. And the Glazers are going to profit off your love. Sometimes you need tough love, right? So when you look at the, the, the United and you say, you can see that they look, like you asked about Leon there. You know, You look at the likes of Leon and say, well, we don't need to spend 100 million this summer because look what Leon did. Yeah, but look, that's a result of a football club having highly uh, competent departments at all levels. That's a football club that has a vision about youth from under six up. And they have coaching. They have all these different things built towards the development of young players into the first team. They are run as a football club. You can't decide one year you want to do it, say, hey, you know what, we're going to all youth this year. And two years later, oh, fuck that. Oh, let's get back to the band, let's play that, that. And that's what you've seen, inconsistent strategies. with the, Remember Van Hal's first press conference, Callum. he was asked, because obviously this is a football manager, synonymous with youth, right? He was asked about bringing through young players. He was told, his answer was what? I was told not to focus on that, right? So this is a football club that only recently decided we should start concentrating on youth again. And this is the problem with people who don't understand nuance, right? Who don't understand vision. It's always one or the other, right? So we're not paying for players anymore. That means they don't buy anybody, right? It's polemic, polemic, right? So we only wanna buy young players, right? Yeah, but there's exceptions to everything, right? So, you know, we don't want to overpay for players. That means everyone's worth uh a fiver and a bottle of milk, right? Otherwise we're being taken to a cleaners. I mean, this is insanity, right? This is utter insanity. So when uh we we, we, we when we talk about I- advising, here's where I will slightly defend Edward. Woodward. I don't think Edwards Edward advising the clearers to do this. I I don't. I, I I think if Edward were in an ideal world was given a couple of hundred million, he'd go spend it. Right. I think what you're dealing with is <clears throat> you're dealing with owners who have no emotional attachment to the things that you and I have an emotional attachment to, right? It's a bit like I don't know, you and me ban a cricket club. Couldn't care less for cricket, but the bottom line looks healthy. We don't care about great wickets or great moments and games with the fans. Do we? we care about profit. That's it. They have an emotional attachment to profit. So they process it everything through that lens of what's the profit angle on this. That's all they care about. Look at Stan Kroenke. Does Stan Kroenke need the money at Arsenal? Not really. Right? He financially set for the rest of his life. Why is he ban Arsenal? It's not to make money. You no. Know? So you look at the glazers and you're going, they clearly don't care about the things you and I care about, right? If they genuinely cared about you being a football and success. And if they heard the way you and I did after Liverpool. This summer wouldn't be happening. But they don't care about that. That's not what they care about. So for me, Callum, you're dealing with a football club who cares only about one thing. And But the, 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 the thing is, this is completely unsustainable because you've got young kids now growing up. And I know you never think looked at Liverpool and thought, well, for 30 years... They uh, were able to get away with it, but not one league title. Liverpool are a football club that are, um, first of all, they're tiny compared to United commercially, right? Um, but they also have a cultish like support base. Okay, United swapped their support base a long, long time ago for consumers. Okay, consumers are not loyal. Those consumers will go to, I mean, I'm sure there's obviously a core fanatical element in it, but. Um, they are going to have a serious problem continuing to monetize this brand when you are no longer even looking at the club that's guaranteed to find stuff for. This is not a sustainable model. You know, are going to get hurt with advertising revenue. This Chevy sponsorship deals up there. If you're a sponsorship, you've mean Chevy was dealing negotiating this contract, you're negotiating with a whole different club now. Uh, well, you know. I guarantee you it wasn't even a consideration back then about putting in Champions League clauses. Look how like smarter they are now to have done that. Right. So if you're now sponsorships sponsorship-saturated you United, you're no longer saying, "Look, this is not Real Madrid." All right, you're not getting in the Champions League, and I know your know, brand value it stands long beyond the Champions League because of where the shirts are bought all around in the world. But with young fans today, I mean, mate, I look at my kids out here in LA all age groups. I see lots of different football shows, but very rarely I see United. And even when it's brought up, right, man, you, they suck. That's what young kids are thinking now with United. This is unsustainable, right? And we'll talk about new contract situations in a minute, but for a football club, this was a summer to show that what has gone on before is unacceptable. What we've demonstrated is everything that's gone on before, we deserve it. This is a consequence of an aptitude. And for the football club to hedge its bets this summer, they don't deserve Solskjaer. And I'm telling you right now, as important as Bruno Fernandez was, they got their arse peeled out for Mason Greenwood. Because if Mason Greenwood doesn't come on the scene does and Emergingwood does as a youth academy project product, uh, we're not in the top four. So not only has Solskjaer saved him, but but not not wasted a single penny. He's also brought young players through from that academy, such as Brandon Williams, such as um, to, to 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 solve a problem at left back that should have been solved a long time ago. To solve a problem on up front that wasn't solved after Lukaku, money was was kept, and um, and he's developed Scott McTominay into what is a genuinely very very good midfielder.
0: And that's just, that's the very sad, harsh, honest reality. He saved the club fortunes by developing the likes of Greenwood, McTominay, and Williams, as you've said. He's invested wisely in the transfer market when he's been given cash. You look at Harry Maguire, good signing. Um, I still think he needs someone else alongside him, but good signing. Um, you look at um, James for the fee that he, he, he cost. Does a good good enough job considering it's only fifteen million quid. Um, Fernandez, top signing. Um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, top signing. And this is the thing that I I, I don't understand. The part that annoyed me towards the end of Mourinho's reign was the fact that he'd wasted a bit of money. So if there was someone who had football experience who sat him down and said, we're not paying that money for allegedly Jerome Boateng or Alderweireld or whoever it was, if it was someone from a genuine football perspective, i watched the money he'd spent before. I could understand that, but again, that's that's shrouded in mystery. But what I can't understand, and I won't, I won't ever understand, is that when you've got a manager like Ollie who's a club legend, who's got a reputation to uphold, whatever way you look at it, and also has been successful in the transfer market at, 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 at looking at players about bringing them in and ensuring that they come in for decent values. When you look at your manager and what he's been able to do with the signings he's brought in, as I've mentioned, along with the academy players he's developed, why on earth would you not trust him with money? Why on earth would you not trust him with signings? Why on earth would you not back him to improve this squad that finished third thanks to him and what he'd done with that squad on the training ground? Why would you not back him to try and chase down Manchester City and Liverpool? Because I, think, I don't see any other reason for stagnation, as you've said, other than an ownership that wants to take out, put nothing in, finish fourth and sit back and enjoy the sunshine.
1: I think for a couple of reasons. First of all, if they don't finish the top four next season, they don't get hit with an Adidas penalty. So what's the panic? Right? Maybe we'll spend next season to make sure I guarantee it's happened. Um, but secondly, I, I just don't think they have the cash available to go out and put down on a Jaden Sancho. So leverage as you know, they may be able to borrow it, of course. Right, but if you borrow money, that money has to be paid back. That affects how much money you can take out in dividends. So, um, but just take a look at the Dean Henderson situation, right? So Dean Henderson signs a six-year contract. Now, Dean Henderson's a good young keeper, right? Um, still a lot to prove. So between Henderson and De Gea, right? First of all, it's, it, it, it's not reasonable to expect one of them is going to be a number two all season, right? So now we're going to have uncertainty with the goalkeeping situation because a couple of things, there's a couple of permutations. Let's say that is the case, right? Um, maybe you never have said that Dean Henderson, look, you're going to sit in the bench all year, which makes no sense to me. Why would you? Right? You still want him out for another year, okay? So that, we don't see that happening. I doubt they've said that De Gea, you're going to sit in the bench all season, right? But let's say that's a possibility. De Gea is thinking you know, it's highest-powered player. 350k a week or thereabouts. So let's say between the hair and Henderson, you're spending 25 million a year in wages on a keeper, on a goalkeeping situation. What other club in the world even comes close to? Why? I mean, at any other football club in the world, you're saying, well, these are two top young keepers. If you want to keep Dean Dean Henderson, which is not necessarily a bad thing, okay, I have two questions. What's your plan with the Hay and Henderson? And just what has Dean Henderson done to make himself a £120,000 week player? What? What if Dean Henderson comes out next season and drops a bollock in the first three, four games? All right? Dean Henderson has not got the resume that would survive that and still be called the top-class goalkeeper. He's still got lots of question marks over him. Can't you make it performance-based? You know, if you're a sales rep, for example, then you go into an, a company and you say, well, they say, we have two sales structures, mister. What we're selling is gold, right? Any good salesperson can sell it. Do you want a salary or do you want commission? Most salespeople want commission. They want a performance-based salary because they trust themselves that they're going to perform and they're, they're going to cap themselves. Surely you say to Dean Henderson, Dean Son, if you hold down the number one shirt next season, your wage goes from 50 grand a week to 100, right? Now, if you're Dean Henderson, you're saying to yourself, I'm good enough to be number one. I'm the best goalkeeper in this football club, so that's 100 grand a week to me, right? That's what a good chief executive would do, I would imagine. That's what someone earning their corn. Now, again, I go back to this. You or I could walk in their room and say, Dino, here's a payment, 120 days away. you good, good kid. That's doing your job? But what metric, again, is that doing your job? You can't find the money for someone like Jaden Sancho, one of the top young talents in the world, right? But this, this is why United have the highest wage bill in world football. Not because it's commensurate with the quality on the pitch, or because we have got superstars. It's a reflection of the inaptitude. Why is Phil Jones, and Marcus Roe, who's on 50 grand a week, think Phil Jones is on 70, why? It's absurd. £50,000 a week for Marcus Rojo. His contract should be cancelled. He's one of the worst professionals I've ever seen. It's Winston Bogart all over again. He's still laughing like balls off at this football club. High on earth has someone looked at Marcus Rojo and said, That's a £50,000 a week defender? What? So, massive waste. I think Darmian was on similar. Uh, At least Darmian at some point, I think he was in Thailand International, and possibly a good defender before he came, whatever. Um, So, Igalo goes in a couple of months. We're going to need a replacement for that, for him. Who? You would like to believe that a, you know, a a, a forward-thinking football club like Manchester United, Clubs usually replace their player at least a year before they need to. That's what forward-thinking football clubs do. So you would be looking at the Egalo situation and saying, all right, we need to replace him in three months, so let's bring in a striker now. Who? Hey. You can see what's going to happen, man. I can see in there that knocking the likes of Real Madrid's door, someone like that, looking at loan deals. Right? And then they'll say, well, let's hope the economy recovers next year and we can buy these players. We can buy some of them, let's hope. Right. Um, I don't want to be a pessimist, man. I don't. I want, I, and I don't want to be negative. But I am really frustrated that here we are. again, Solskjaer had everybody on a positive. It don't accept me well. What was blatantly obvious was there were certain areas. You end up never been in a situation where you've just got two or three things to address. All right. Get some depth, quality in two or three positions, and and that's a team that should finish top four. I don't care what Chelsea do. Right? as a team to be 20th top four, not everyone of those Chelsea players is going to be great. Not everyone's going to work out. Some of them will flop, right? So, um, Kai Havertz is a very good player, but that's a young Chelsea team they're building, right? Thiago Silva is bringing experience. You know, no gamble. I'm a free. No gamble. So, Havertz, one of the best young players in Germany. You ask anyone in Germany, they'll tell you he's the next Michael Ballack. That's a player you need to choose send. Surely went after him. Paul Pogba signed a new contract. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not so sure. I think he may very well sign a new contract, but I think that's very much dependent upon what you need to do this summer to convince him that this is a football club, he should stay at. Because if you need to don't sign players this summer, Paul Popper has money right where he wants him. sits sits on this contract the next season, and would have to sell him at a loss. or well, not a loss, but a significantly reduced wage because all he's got left is that one-year activation. He'll be 12 months within his contract. And United you know, would probably look to sell him in January. Because, again, we looked at from a profit lens. Let's sell him for as much money as we can. for <clears throat> Fuck Solskjaer.
0: And this is the thing as well. It's uh, You look at Pogba, and I'll be honest with you, if I'm Paul Pogba and I put myself in his shoes now, if he ever listens to this, he'll cringe at that because I'm, I'm, I'm shite at football and he's superb. But that aside... If I was in Pogba's shoes at the moment, I wouldn't be rushing to sign a new contract to to be honest until I see what United do this summer. Dean Henderson signing a new contract to United, if I'm a player like Pogba it's not enough to make me go, oh brilliant. This is what this is where the club's going. Give me that pen, if I'm signing that now. Not for me. I would I would wait. I would I would wait and see. And this is a thing that Tom McDermott who joined us a couple of weeks ago had said as well on Twitter. If you're Bruno Fernandes, a player like that, If Pogba was to leave Phil in January or next summer, and you're Bruno Fernandes, because you know what it's like. United are a huge juggernaut of a club, but every player gets their ego massage whenever they sign for a club. We're going to look to do this. We're going to try and bring players in here, here, and here, and you're going to be part of this project, and we're going to strive to win titles, champions, leagues, etc. So you get all that rhetoric when you sign for any club, not just United. So he will have come in with that in his head. He's performed well on the pitch. He finished top four this is the time to build. If they don't build this summer, that's one strike. If Pogba was to go in January, as you say, next summer, that's sort of two strikes. And then if the club start to fall back outside the top four, you've got your three strikes for Fernandez, and you think to yourself shit, I maybe need to start looking for a way out here and maybe looking to one of the big clubs in Spain or across Europe in, in a couple of years' time because these players are not coming in to be content with finishing sixth and competing in the FA Cup. They don't want to just finish in the top four either. They want to play in the latter stages at the least of the Champions League, making a dent in the tournament, winning Premier League titles, winning substantial trophies that are not only good for their CV, but just... Good for them as professionals. Good for the club that they represent. Because at the end of the day, United can only sell themselves as a juggernaut of a club to players for so long. They will always be a juggernaut of world football. But if you spend a couple of years outside the top four, look at Liverpool under Kenny Dalglish, um and Roy Hodgson. They were signing players. Stuart Downing was, it was, it was coming in as a sort of marquee signing because that was the best that they could attract at that time. You cannot hold on to the marquee card of we're an exception when we don't get Champions League forever. You, you just simply can't, um, whether
1: you've uh, got 70,000 seats or not. Not just about the players you can sign, but as Liverpool shown on there with Robbie Fowler, as they showed with Michael Owen, as they showed with uh, Steve McManaman. You don't also get to keep your best young players just because they come through your academy. That will also be a serious concern. Chelsea lose Villan, lose Pedro. Look at what they do immediately. Chelsea finish on the same points as Manchester United. Look at what they do immediately. We're left with excuses. COVID, 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 COVID. But it's fair. weirdly enough, COVID isn't an excuse um, for to lower cost for United fans when it comes to their acquisitions with the club, MBTV, shirts, all that, there. and a new reality for them, It's just a new reality for United's expenditures. It will be interesting to see if our, uh, if, if our uh, beautiful owners or our, our current owners will uh, foresee their dividends, and uh, this you can get, you know, it's COVID, I'm quite sure, that uh, is worth the generosity. Certainly we'll end. Callum, call we'll go ahead and leave it there, mate. As I said, thanks you massively to everyone for all your support on the show. Thank you to United. I have to say uh, I am frustrated with how the football club is run because I'm a Manchester United fan. I love this football club to my core. Um, it is certainly not personal against any one particular individual. As I said, previous lots of people there that I have nothing but utmost respect for. Um, and I just want my football club to to be true to its, to, to its values, to be true to uh, to, to who Manchester United are uh, and uh, to invest what we generate in our football team, which should be the primary concern every summer. That shouldn't be the last. So, uh, we will see. Hopefully, we see some activity. Um, it's if we don't see activity...
0: Here. And Man City managed to sign Lionel Messi, Chelsea Make Dents in the transfer market. To all BTP listeners out there, if that happens, can you please recommend a very quiet place that does <laughs> well, the next we 12 go months?
1: On that. Lionel Messi, if he went to Manchester City, met beyond the football side of it, that is Woodward's worst nameer. Worst name. First of all, there's nobody in world football, even Ronaldo, that Woodward would love more in United for the commercial, right? But if that happened, we should resign of embarrassment on the, the day it happens. It just, just simply, uh, out of some self-respect, in your tenure, you know, it would have gone from being one of the biggest football clubs in the world to arguably not even the biggest in their city anymore, right, to where. United to me will always be bigger than Manchester City, right? Regardless of where the LMS goes, that won't make any difference to me, right? But to the world, right? I mean, mate, it's not, I can only, if you you can turn around and talk about ownership and everything, Um, we have so much waste, so much inaptitude, that uh, that's the reason why we're here. That is the reason why we're in this situation. All right, Matt, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Thanks again to everyone. And uh, thanks for all the downloads, likes, free tos follows, everyone. Uh, to all my new followers, thank you for coming on board. I hope you enjoy following me. And uh, I do not take any of you for granted. Thank you so much, folks. Take it easy, Matt. Cheers, folks.